the most exclusive travel experiences on the planet, the most celebrated icons in fashion, music, food, and the arts. Welcome to the Tully Luxury Travel Podcast. I think travel opens up the doors to so many different things for us. It's such a force for good. It brings people together. It educates us. It inspires us. Presented by luxury travel expert and the founder of Tully Luxury Travel, Mary Jean Tully, we're going to take you on a journey to the most exclusive travel experiences on the planet. From candlelit dinners in the shadow of world wonders to starlit camps in the heart of the African bush. We had lunch on the Great Wall of China where nobody else was around. And that was just something that was just so momentous. I've done the same thing in Petra, going there with music and lit up with candles. It's a real experience, a very unique experience that is just different from the norm. This is what travel dreams are made of. This is the Tully Luxury Travel Podcast. Luxury can take on so many forms, but here at Tully Luxury Travel, one thing is always true. Luxury is always defined by you. Hi, Gavin. Welcome to the Tully Luxury Travel Podcast. But before I start this, I have to just say what a valuable asset you are to this company. And I know that if I wasn't involved in this company and I had to book my own travel, you would be a person that I would definitely want to deal with. And the reason that I like dealing with you so much is not only are you kind and gracious, but you're very, very well-traveled. And I thought it would be a great opportunity for people to learn a little bit more about you. You're not an order taker. You're not a person that just, you know, reads something and says, oh, I'm going to book you this hotel or that hotel. You literally really care about people. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to learn a little bit more about you so people listening to this podcast can know really what goes into a fabulous travel designer and how we have somebody at Tully Luxury Travel that we're lucky enough to have someone like you because we are very lucky. So you're originally from Edinburgh, Scotland. Your accent will give that away so quickly when anybody hears you talk. What was it like growing up there, Gavin? Well, thank you for that. Very kind words. I think I have very happy memories. It's a long time ago now, but very happy memories of growing up in, in Scotland, certainly. As many people know, it's a very uh, it's a very wet country, but it's also a very beautiful country. And, you know, despite the weather, I think it's a very safe environment. And it was a very easy space as a kid to go out and, you know, explore and spend a lot of time on the lakes, on the lochs, on the mountains. As children, we spent a lot of time pushing ourselves, I think, really trying to get out into the hills, explore stuff, do things we wouldn't ordinarily do. And I think the beauty of growing up somewhere like that is it teaches you to be quite independent quite quickly, but also quite imaginative and quite creative. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, when I look at pictures of Scotland, but like your family, were your family travelers? Like, did you travel much as a child? Did you have a favorite family vacation as a kid? We did. I mean, we all traveled a lot. I mean, we all left home quite young, including my parents. Um, they set up life when they were younger in Tehran and lived there, you know, through until the revolution took place. And then my parents traveled a lot uh, when we were growing up. I mean, often with us, often without us. But we did, yeah, we did travel a lot. I mean, a lot of our vacations were spent in Europe or, you know, various parts of Europe. Having Europe on your doorstep obviously gives yes. you a, a, an easy segue into, into places. But travel was certainly a huge part of our life not even just doing it actively, but also living in a household where we had, you know, a constant stream of 
foreign people, foreign friends, guests staying over all the time. And, you know, we're always consciously aware that there was a lot more to the world than necessarily just our immediate surroundings. Well, wow, you're so lucky. I know for me as a child growing up, I mean, the only vacation we did was we went two weeks every August to a cottage. That was it. You know, my dad was an entrepreneur. He worked very hard, but I was a dreamer. And I used to read travel magazines. And in fact, in my bedroom, I had it filled with travel posters. So it just shows that, you know, whether you're from a family of travel or you have a dreamer that likes to dream of travel, this can happen all the way around. But also, I know that at the age of 15, you left Scotland for the Far East. That must have been an incredibly formative experience for you. Yeah, I mean, it was a very formative thing. Oddly enough, looking back now, it seems like it was kind of uh, written or par for the course. And, you know, as I said, we all kind of did our own thing. My brothers left and went out to Europe and then moved out to Africa and across to Mexico and stuff. So for me, I kind of ended up picking, uh, you know, Southeast Asia, found a scholarship that kind of picked up the costs of moving out there and and moved out there, yeah, at a pretty young age. And it was formative in the sense of saying it's also another, you know, beautiful part of the world, easy to access, easy to travel in. Um, but I think traveling at that age teaches you a great deal about yourself and, you know, your comfort zone and, and really pushes you to get out of your box and actually learn about other cultures. And, and the influence that gives you at that age certainly was, uh, you know, formed a big part of who I am today, I think. I can't even imagine as a young child a young child, I mean, 15 is still a child when, when you reflect back on it, but learning about all the different cultures and I think it gives you a tolerance and a complete understanding in life. And I think really the best gift parents could give their children or to give yourself is to travel and have these kinds of things. But after you had so many like winters in Montreal, you went back to Asia when the Chinese government sponsored your return. And then you took Mandarin classes at night and you really, I mean, then you were offered a position at a Shanghai-based travel magazine. Um, was this, this was your first foray into the travel industry, correct? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think it was, in fairness, also the first job I've ever sort of taken that was actually in a, a career path that I wanted to be in versus just doing summer jobs. And I was quite fortunate in a way to, to land this. It really started as an internship position at this magazine and then moved quickly into their travel section. And I uh, was, was really lucky to be able to go out and cover a lot of the, at the time, a lot of the hotels were, you know, big names were opening new new chains, new new locations about China. So I covered a lot of those and was really fortunate to see, you know, a lot of China during my time there and get out and see things beyond just Shanghai and, you know, a lot of the cities that were you know, kind of really sprouting and, and taking off. So it was an exciting time and certainly that was my first foray into the travel world. Did you know then, like, were you bit by the bug, by the travel bug? Yeah, I think so. I mean, in fairness, hospitality was something that had always interested me. But I think the concept of working in travel as an industry, it was it was there and then that it really opened up my eyes and said, you know, there's actually, this is something I enjoy. This is something I love. And, and I think there's a lot of the world to see. But it, it was at that moment I really realized I would love to be able to do something to share this passion and this, this huge part of my life and make it part of my career and share it with other people. So what brought you to Tully? How did you first come to Tully? I know, but I want you to tell other people. <laughs> so um, I, I did, as you mentioned, sort of did my undergraduate degree here in Canada. Um, and uh, after many winters, I decided I would pack up my bags and, and kind of never come back. But after some time uh, working out in China, I ended up uh, being unable to convince my then partner to, to stay in China and to move out, you know, permanently. So I moved back to the UK um, and uh, started my own thing in the UK, worked there, but um, on a vacation in Dubai. 
met my current partner and uh, yeah, we ended up here in, in Canada and it's been about sort of seven years since. Um, having vowed to never return, this is now definitely home. And um, when, I, when I moved here, I was very fortunate to really discover uh, Tully and to be introduced to them. And, and I know at the time you weren't necessarily recruiting, but it was very fortunate just to kind of fall in. And, uh, well, and here we are seven years later. Well, yes. And you know what it's like? It's sometimes it's like the times that you go shopping and you're not looking for anything, but all of a sudden you find the perfect dress, you know, or the perfect pair of shoes. And it was at the time just meeting you and, you know, your personality and your calmness. Like, I'm not really a calm person. I'm very all over the map, balls in the air. Um, but we both have the same passion for travel. And I think you can recognize that in another person very easily. And I love the fact of how knowledgeable you are, not even just from a geography standpoint, but from a culture standpoint and what makes sense and what doesn't make sense and knowing the best times of the year to travel and the best things that you should do. And I think that when you look, you look at the experiences that you've had as a child, Growing up, I mean, it helps. Like I said, I was the dreamer. Nobody in my family traveled. And to this day, I have a brother that's involved a little bit in, in uh, travel industry uh, with Hawaii. But it still is something I'm as passionate about it today as I ever was. And I can't imagine. I, I think we have the greatest jobs on the whole planet. And what excites you about working for Tully and being able to create some of these travel experiences? What is it that you like the most? I think there are many ways of selling travel and some are, are much more in the box. I think here it's very much a culture of thinking outside of the box and that that excites me greatly. Uh, but I think one of the things that's most important about that is not just being able to dream up ideas, it's also to have the backing of great relationships, which obviously, you know, you've been around for a long time here at Tully, for sort of 35 years this year, um, and to be able to take people's dreams and then call back on those relationships and make things happen for them, whether it's, you know, a special moment, a proposal or a volunteer work or, or whatever out-of-the-box concept they want to construct or make part of their vacation, you need to have uh, the roots and the resources to be able to, to pull it through. And I think that's what's so special about working here is you've got the ability to one, dream with people and to deliver it and make it happen. Thank you, Gavin. And you know, I, I've always felt the same way. I mean, when I look at some of the incredible wow moments, wow things that we've created for our clients, I mean, two years in a row, I remember doing the Great Wall of China uh, to a place, Jinsiling, which is further out, uh, about another 40 minutes out from uh, where other people seem to go when, when they think that they want private. And we had 57 people with tablecloths and roses and chefs and people from the village that came and, and, and helped people up there and not another person in sight. I mean, how many people can go on the Great Wall of China and take photographs like we did and have all these different unique experiences? Um, going to Ephesus, Kushadase, but going to Ephesus in Turkey and the Celsius Library, over 4,000 years old, and candlelit and tablecloths and serving champagne and a sit-down dinner with people and little moments, whether we're even selling an African safari to a family and they get to dart a rhino or collar lions or go to the sheldrick and have interaction with baby elephants or, you know, at a hotel or Rome, do a private tour of the Vatican with the Pope's ex-bodyguard. So do us a favor. Talk us through kind of like the process from the initial meeting with a client calling on the phone, wanting something like, let's say a safari, for instance, because you've been booking a lot of safaris lately or Japan. How do you dream these ideas up? Like what, what comes to you when you first talk to somebody, Gavin? I mean, I think it's really important 
in anything to get people, especially in the beginning, to get people away from email and onto a conversation where you can really get to know them. You have to get to know people as people and not necessarily just talk about travel. I think it's important to know, you know, what floats their boat, what kind of days they like to do, what, how busy do you like to be? Are you, are you people who, for this particular trip at hand, do you want to be on the go nonstop so you can see everything under the sun? Or are you looking to unwind and just enjoy being in places? And, you know, you mentioned safari. And I think for me, it's important to understand the client and what they're trying to achieve out of a safari trip because there are so many ways to under you know to undertake a safari you can you can travel the length and breadth of africa and you can move every two or three days or or conversely you can actually spend quite a lot of time in camp and i think a lot of what we forget often is just you know you, you do spend quite a lot of money in certain places to be in certainly beautiful properties and we get so focused on what it is you want to do during your day that you often forget that there's a lot of beauty to be had from just enjoying your surroundings, being in camp. And exactly. It's important to kind of guide people, I think, in terms of their expectations, but also to get to know them better and understand, you know, what is it you want out of a daily experience? What, what are you looking for on this trip as a whole? So the more that you can talk to somebody, that get to know them, repeated conversations, get to know their travel style, then I think that's where you can really start to help, you know, give it an experience which is truly unique to them. So Gavin, what are some of your favorite places to travel? Like either that you've been or you want to go back to or new that you haven't done? Give me a few. I mean, to me, I'm, I think I'm my happiest in, uh, in probably in the natural world. But I would say to you, a bit like you've touched on already, it depends on what you're seeking out of a trip. Um, if you're seeking adventure, I think I'm my happiest up in the mountains or in places um, like British Columbia across on the west coast of Canada or certain places in South Africa up in the mountains of Mpumalanga. is incredibly beautiful and just uh, almost spiritual in a way. But places, I, I mean, there are many places I'd love to go and, and to discover further. Bhutan is certainly up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, or hopefully when it opens again, to spend a bit more time at doing perhaps tracing the Silk Road across into Western mm-hmm. China. And also, it was really funny because you, when you were first hired, you'd never done a cruise. And you didn't know if you'd really like a cruise. You weren't certain or anything. And I said, no, no, I really want you to go. I want you to experience and see what it was like. And you went on a seaborne cruise sailing from where to where? I really, uh, it was probably not o- overjoyed at the the idea, but I think the first one was actually a Silver Sea cruise. And Silver it was sea. Silver Sea out of um, Tokyo and down to Hong Kong, right. through, out through China. And uh, you loved it. It was just the most amazing way to travel. And I think one of my, my best memories is obviously having spent a lot of time in Shanghai. I don't think I'd ever really seen Shanghai from the water. And I hadn't been back for a long time. And just sailing up the Huangpu River into Shanghai, you know, at the creeping pace as the lights come on at night was one of the most uh, serene, amazing experiences. Not having to pack and, and, and unpack and, you know, doing it. And if you have the ability to do it and to, you know, to be fortunate enough to, to take a private car and a driver in each port, it's just such a wonderful way to travel. You know? And, you know, it's funny because people will say to me, you know, all the time I get, you know, people who love to cruise, cruise mm. and, and can't wait to get back and go on the next ship. People who maybe went on a cruise when they were a child and say, oh, no, I, you know, I went on a cruise once. I never want to go again. I said, that's like saying I stayed at a hotel once and I didn't like it and I'm never going to mm. another one. There's different cruises for everybody. And to see parts of the world, like you said, to go into Asia mm-hmm. and for the ship to overnight in Hong Kong and stay mm-hmm. for two nights and overnight in Shanghai, do all of these. Because I don't care how much money a person has or how much time. The idea of checking out of a place 
going to an airport, checking into another hotel, the rooms not being ready, the delays, the, the hassle of it, Definitely. as opposed to this with a cruise, or doing a cruise to Antarctica, you know, or going to Alaska. So even for people who want the small, intimate, and that's why we're so lucky. And I think we get to educate people. We get to fulfill people's dreams. And I think now more than ever, I think with COVID, that a lot of people had realized that, you know, when they go online, okay, they book their airfare online. Then they go and they book a hotel online. Then they book this tour. Then they want to get tickets for here. But then all of a sudden, nobody sends a morning going, okay, this country just changed this. Yeah. This ju- just changed this. This just changed. And we don't charge for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was daunting. But we held people's hands the whole way, you know, and even now, I mean, I still get totally frustrated that people right now aren't afraid of catching COVID. They're just afraid that they don't want to have to be quarantined somewhere. Mm-hmm. And we hold people's hands the whole way and, and make sure that everything works out the best I mean, for I, them. I think we're all hoping this is a, a temporary thing and, and perhaps, yes. you know, in, in, the, in the not too distant future, this will be gone. But certainly for the moment, that's one of the most fundamental uh, arguments for for working with a, for a travel designer is, is somebody to guide you through the, the never-ending bureaucracy of travel and um, to help, you know, I mean, certainly whether you're going to Africa or Europe or wherever you're going, if there's a testing requirement, having somebody set it up for you and have, you know, just to come to your hotel, do yes. a test and, and yes. get it done with and not make it a big deal. Yes, and, and even so forgetting COVID. I mean, so many things, so many things that pop up. Insurance for people traveling. Um, what's the best routing for this? Mm-hmm. You know, just opinions. I mean, I can't even imagine spending this kind of money because the thing that I say the most and... I'll kind of end with this. People are trusting us with their most valuable asset. Mm -hmm. And second to their children, it's their time. Mm -hmm. So I don't care if you just want a beach vacation, if you want a cruise, if you want a safari, if you want to climb Machu Picchu. Mm. Your time is worth everything and you want your time well spent because you don't want your vacation because people work like dogs all year round. They want to be able to trust somebody who can say, not just guess or not just assume, say, you know what, that's a good question. I'm not sure, but let me find out for sure. And they're not going to Google the answer. We're going to go right to the source. Mm -hmm. So all I want to say is thank you so much. And Tully is a much better place having a person like you here and looking after our most valuable assets, which is our clients. But I always say this, and you know I've always said this, our biggest asset are our employees. Our second biggest asset are our clients. And our third are our suppliers. Because if the employees are happy, the clients are happy, and then the suppliers are happy. So thank you for all you do, and thank you for making Tully such a great place. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Well, that just about wraps up our time here today. If you want to find out more information about luxury travel experiences mentioned in this show or how Tully Luxury Travel can make your travel dreams come true, please go to TullyLuxuryTravel.com. We understand that every client is different. That's why each itinerary we create is unique and handcrafted to your wishes. True luxury for us means using our expert local knowledge to go beyond your expectations and make sure the time you spend with us is the time of your life. That's the Tully promise. That's luxury defined by you. Today's interview was hosted by Mary Jean Tully, the CEO and founder of Tully Luxury Travel and produced by Armchair Productions, the audio experts for the travel industry. 
I'm Aaron Miller. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.